0: Welcome to the Mama Stay Fit podcast. In this episode, Roxanne is going to be sharing her postpartum healing journey from having a postpartum hemorrhage through the first month or six weeks postpartum and then her initial return to fitness because now she's about 10 weeks postpartum. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to
1: move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy,
0: understand the science of birth, and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals.
1: Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey.
0: We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to the Mamas Fit podcast. Thank you, Roxanne, for being willing to share your postpartum healing journey on our podcast. Of course. <laughs> Thank you for being a guest on your own podcast. <laughs> So how was your birth and the initial healing period for you?
1: So my birth was great. You should listen to the Birth Story podcast, which is Joan's birth. I don't know what number it is. But after she was born, I started having some heavier bleeding even before the placenta delivered. So they put this little bag underneath your bottom, and that kind of collects the blood and fluid after birth to kind of give a more like quantitative, like measurable number of how much blood was coming out. It's a little bit better than estimated. Most vaginal deliveries on average, I think is between like two to 300 mLs of blood loss. And at the time in the bag was like seven to 800 mLs. So my midwife was like, eh, we probably should move towards getting this placenta out and like stopping this bleeding. So at this time, they clamped the cord, got the placenta out. It, like, delivered fairly quickly. I did have to get some IM, our intramuscular pitocin. So they gave me a shot into my leg with some pitocin to kind of help encourage my uterus to clamp down. That's kind of helped my uterus clamp down, as well as those lovely, lovely fundal massages. And I know from being a labor delivery nurse they suck. But I also now know as a patient they also suck. So I do apologize. But it is... Indicated most of the time. Sometimes they do them just because they're afraid of postpartum hemorrhages, but like when it is a true hemorrhage, they are beneficial to help. But they still suck. A fundal massage, what we're doing is the top of the uterus is not firm. And so they're just like massaging and massage and massaging to encourage it to clamp down. But if you can imagine, this uterus is a very tired, sore muscle and that massage is not great. It's almost like a deep tissue massage on your uterus that you just pushed baby out of. So not a great time. But encouraging that uterus to clamp down is really helpful if you're having a postpartum hemorrhage. And sometimes it could even be like a clot is within your uterus, which I started, I did have one clot like in my uterus that was preventing some blood loss after the delivery. And so the massage helped push it out and then my bleeding slowed down a bit,
0: but they don't feel great. So why was it important to get your placenta out to help
1: stop the bleeding? Oh, great question, Gina. So the reason that the placenta needs to come out in order to stop the bleeding is that when the placenta is attached to your uterine wall, it can only contract so much because something's like in the way. So it's like almost like trying to close a door, like get it to latch, but like someone's arm in the way. So they need to get that placenta out to allow the uterus to fully contract down. It could also have been like my placenta had partially detached So it was just bleeding from that part that the placenta wasn't attached to anymore. But again, it could not contract all the way down to get the blood that's flowing out of that wound to stop. So once the placenta is delivered, then the uterus can then fully close. Like if you moved your arm, the door was able to fully close. And similarly, like if there are clots or retained fragments within that uterus, it may not be like a huge placenta anymore, but those still, those clots and those retained fragments of your placenta. Almost like little pieces of your placenta left behind can also prevent your uterus from contracting all the way down and causing a postpartum hemorrhage.
0: So how was it healing after losing a lot of blood? Yeah, so
1: that was rough. It was rough. So I always lose more blood, like on the higher end. With Lily, I lost like four fifty to five hundred. With Colin, it was like six to seven hundred. But this one was over a thousand just at like the birth. Because like at birth at the time it was like seven, eight hundred. Then they got the placenta out. I passed a couple clots. So that had to have been like over a thousand MLs. And then the next morning they drew labs and they're like the levels that they measure, they're called the H and H hematocrit and hemoglobin. These are the numbers that they'll look at for blood, like the how much blood you have in your body. And those dropped like pretty significant amounts, but not to the levels that they would like recommend, like blood transfusions immediately. But I expected those numbers to be lowered just from my symptoms. Like I couldn't even go to the bathroom without feeling like a little dizzy or lightheaded. I had to make sure that my husband was awake just in case when I would go to the bathroom because I was like, well, I don't want to pass out in the bathroom. And then like no one comes to rescue me <laughs> like that is a history that appears like
0: when you were a teenager I don't I don't know how old you were I don't know middle school <laughs> well, all of a sudden I heard this like commotion from the bathroom and I like, just thought like um Roxanne dropped the shampoo or something and just kind of continued about my day and then like 20 minutes later she walks out and she's like I passed out in the shower and nobody checked on me <laughs> I was like Oh man, I got I
1: was standing washing like washing something on my body and fell over the side of the shower like The bathtub was just like dangling over the side of the bathtub and nobody came in in the bathroom. (laughs) They were just like,
0: gosh, she's fine. She just dropped the shampoo. So did you have any signs to let you know, like, I'm about to pass out. I need to get seated or like, what were some things to let you know? So I I think most people will have some sort of symptom that you're about to pass out.
1: And the ones that I would have is my ears would get really, really hot and almost my face would kind of get a little hot. And then sounds almost like seemed further away. So they were like dull or like I had something in my ears almost like I couldn't hear the sounds. And then like a little bit of like tingling in my face. And I'm like, oh, I need to get into a chair or something. And I have never hit the floor when I pass out or almost pass out. I always make it to the bed because I go very quickly. I run with lilies. I jumped onto the bottom of the bed because I was like, oh, I'm going, I'm going down. And I did. Like uh, with this one, I made it to the bed and in the hospital I delivered at, the toilet to the bed, pretty far, like pretty far. I'm just very proud of myself that I made it there. And my nurse was very terrified. She was like, let's lay you down all the way. Take this alcohol wipe, like smell it. Please don't pass out on me. She's like, I'm we should take your blood pressure because I feel like you're going down. But I didn't actually pass out, so that was great. But every time I went to the bathroom before I would get back into the bed, like I used a lot of hand sanitizer rather than washing my hands because I I couldn't make it. I couldn't make it to wash my hands.
0: So how was, was that? So like I didn't fully understand how like, for lack of a better word, like weak you were. Like I don't think I understood how much blood you had lost and. I mean, your previous postpartums, you were definitely on the more fatigue side, but I don't think it was to this level Mm -hmm. of fatigue. So how was it, like, essentially not being able to do, like, anything? Like, mentally and, like, physically? It sucked.
1: I mean, I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. Like, walking up—so, like, we had to stay at my mom's house because our construction in our house still wasn't done. Surprise. Ten weeks postpartum. It's still not done. But— I had to walk up the stairs to get into the room where we were sleeping, and I was, like, so winded. The first time, I had to stop halfway through to, like, just, like, catch my breath and then continue the rest of the stairwell. And then I was like, I'm staying. This is where I live now. I'm not going to go down or up those steps. I don't think I left that room for, like,
0: three days one time because I was like, people will just bring the food to me. So in the first trimester, you have that, like, exhaustion, fatigue. It's like next level tired. And it's because your blood volume is like your blood vessels dilate to so like double in yeah. size and your body is like underfilled and it's like working furiously to refill itself. Is it a similar tired that or is it worse? For me, it was worse
1: than like first trimester fatigue because I think first trimester fatigue like I was a little out of breath but like I could still work out. Like I could still go for walks. I'd like to take one nap but it wasn't wasn't similar to that in that extreme where like when I was postpartum this time I feel like I took like two or three naps a day like I would be texting Gina and then I'd be like oh yeah I'll do that and then I'd wake up like two hours later when Joan is like ready to nurse again and I'm like oh that was a great nap I feel a little refreshed and then like two hours would go by and I'd be like I'm ready for another nap because I'm exhausted (laughs) and like again like I would get so short of breath just walking to the toilet. I didn't know what was wrong in my head. I was like, I know I lost a lot of blood, but, like, man, this labor must have just really took it out of me this time. And I, like, didn't piece it together that, like, the amount of blood that I lost was the reason that I felt so bad until, like, probably a couple days in. And then I was like, oh, yeah.
0: But I feel like that's common where folks probably have a hemorrhage that they don't maybe real didn't realize they had one or maybe wasn't clearly communicated to them that they had a hemorrhage. They just feel like garbage and like super weak and they're confused on like how am I supposed to take care of this baby when I can barely like take care of myself and like go to the bathroom and how like mentally defeating that would feel. Oh yeah. So did did your midwife give you any sort of hey, you had a hemorrhage, this is the stuff that I recommend that you do to kind of help replenish yourself afterwards. Like, what, what tips do you have for folks? So I, my midwife did, like, when they did the 24-hour
1: rounding, so it wasn't the midwife who delivered me, but the, like, on-call midwife for the day. She came into the room, like, went over my lab work, saying, like, oh, your h h did drop. She never clearly stated, like, hey, you had a postpartum hemorrhage. And I don't know if it's because, like, I am a labor and delivery nurse, student midwife. Like, I know I hemorrhaged based off of, like, the numbers that they were telling me and the number of cloths that I was passing. I was like, that's a hemorrhage right there. I hemorrhaged. But she did go over, like, hey, these are some things, like, we feel comfortable sending you home still. If you feel comfortable going home, probably don't take a really hot shower because you'll probably pass out. She's like, I can guarantee if you take a hot shower, you are going to pass out. So don't do that. Take a warm shower or like dawn shower for like maybe a day or so. Taking an iron supplement because iron, for iron in our bodies, most of our iron is just recycled iron. As our body breaks down red blood cells, they take the hemoglobin and like take away the iron and then it just makes a new red blood cell using like your old iron. So if you lose a bunch of blood, this is going to put you into anemia because you don't have that iron and the only way to build that iron back up is to get it in your diet but our bodies don't like absorb iron very easily so that's why it can take a while for your like like anemia to resolve by taking iron supplements and iron rich foods and we can only get so much from our food so like supplementing with an actual iron pill can be helpful and there's lots of types of irons out there with like there's liquid irons capsule irons But the iron that I chose to use during my postpartum was from Needed, surprising. We love everything that Needed creates, and their iron is no exception. It's like a capsule that you can take as many irons as you want based off of, like, your blood levels and how much iron you need to supplement. But I don't get the same side effects that I do with other iron supplements with Needed's iron. I I don't get, like, constipation. I'm not getting, like, nausea when I take it. And it's not included in their prenatal vitamin which I love that it's like an extra one that you can include if you need it because not all of us really need to supplement iron and we don't all need it in our prenatals. So Gina wasn't really anemic, so she didn't need an iron in her prenatal to kind of supplement. And also a lot of the nutrients and vitamins in prenatals can kind of affect how much iron you're even absorbing. So it doesn't really like lead to optimal absorption in our body, but needed It's Iron does. It is like a, in a form that we can absorb a lot easier and it doesn't give you all of those, like, all of the yucky side effects that I experienced with other iron supplements. Uh, so if you want to check out any of Needed supplements, you can use our code Pod for 20% off your first order or the first three months of your subscription at thisisneeded.com. We both took Needed during our pregnancies and postpartum, and obviously I took their iron this postpartum, so highly recommend them. Another way that, though, if you don't want an iron supplement is to use a cast iron skillet. So I was, anytime anyone was cooking something for me that needed a pan, they would use a cast iron skillet because, like, if you didn't know, iron is actually, like, the iron metallic iron form. So the cast iron skillet has the iron in it that's absorbing into your food, and that's how you're getting extra iron when you cook in a cast iron skillet. Kind of cool. But cooking in a cast iron skillet and then my mom... Gina's mom, also our mom, not just mine, even though during postpartum she was really mine, um, (laughs) would cook us a lot of seaweed soup. So seaweed is very rich in iron, so it's a great way to get and replace your iron stores that you lost during childbirth. And it's a tradition in Korea to eat a lot of seaweed soup postpartum. So with our previous pregnancies and births, like we would eat it a lot and we would almost get sick of it. (laughs) Because we were eating it for every meal. But this one, I was, like, craving it. I was like, please, keep bringing me. Keep bringing me the seaweed soup. <laughs> I just I remember
0: after my first birth, mom was, like, seaweed soup. And somebody offered to make me another dish of food, like, oh, yeah. like oatmeal or something that was supposed to help with my milk. And mom was, like, immediately, like, no. It we are like. she was Korean. We eat seaweed soup. Gina needs seaweed soup when she gets birth. Do not give her your garbage oatmeal. And I was like, "Oh, damn. <laughs> like, oh, don't give me oatmeal." Yeah. Um, like to the point where I think she would have like swatted it out of their hand and be like, "She needs seaweed soup. We are Korean." <laughs> like, but
1: in actuality, seaweed has like one of the highest amounts of iron in it, so like yeah, seaweed soup is probably really beneficial, as well as like all of the meat and stuff that she puts in it, like the bone broth. And
0: so, if you oh. want the recipe, she won't like this video, <laughs> comments below, recipe. subscribe to us, and then we will consider giving you the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mama Kim will maybe make
1: it for you on a YouTube video so that you know <laughs> the recipe, the secret iron. Replenishing seaweed soup.
0: But we couldn't—so we had all these plans to film yeah. this content of you in your early postpartum, cooking this seaweed soup, making kimchi, and you were just, like, wiped out for, like, yeah. four weeks, it yeah. seemed like. I think I
1: remember I was like, Gina, I need you to come to the house to record those videos. And you're like, I'm so busy. I mean, I was doing everything was by loads. myself for myself, And my and husband like, was also I don't, deployed. I don't have time. Like, can you record them? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll try. I'll try. And I would like look around for my tripod and I'm just like, <gasps> <laughs> I'm so tired. Without a two minute excursion, I'm going to just take a nap, but I'll do it when I
0: wake up. And I never, I never did it. I never did it because I was so exhausted. I didn't I did not have the energy to So what were you able to do to help support your healing in the postpartum other than just exist? Yeah, just exist. Drink lots of water and
1: electrolytes and nap. But I was able to do some movement. So like the early postpartum program, obviously I did it. The first week, though, I think I repeated two or three times because the first week of our early, our free early postpartum recovery course, we'll link it in the show notes, is really a lot of breathing and, like, just mobility. But it's, like, reclined. It's all breathing. supine mobility. Yeah. Just lay in the bed, 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 which was what I was doing. So, like, the first few days I did nothing because, like, literally it was, like, awake and Joan would eat and she'd go to sleep because that's all they do for the first, like, Month. month is eat, sleep, eat, sleep, poop in there, and pee in there as well. So she would wake up, nurse, go back to sleep, and I'd be like, great, also nap, time for me. So Joan and I were both taking, like, a lot of naps, and that's all I did. I did not move, and my body felt it. My tailbone was crying. It was cr- If it could cry, it was crying. Like, just, like, ugly girl crying. It was so painful. I was texting our friend Joe, um, she was a pelvic floor PT, and I was like, what can I do for my pelvic? My tailbone hurts so bad, but I can't like, get out of bed. Please help me. And so she's like, get a tennis ball. And she's like, I'll send you a picture of like, where to put it in, and like that will help. And it did help. It helped a lot. Like My tailbone was able to move because I was giving it the range of motion it needed to be able to move. It not hurt as much. But still, laying in bed is not comfortable for our bodies if we're not moving. Patrick, like... Went to the store. Like, I sent him to the store to get these tennis balls because I was like, I need this now. So we can do some, like, fascial work with the tennis ball if you're not able to do anything, like me, for the first couple days. But then I was able to incorporate the breathing exercises, the diaphragmatic breathing, and the mobility that was just me laying on the floor pretty much, which was really, really helpful. I did repeat that, though, for more than one week. So it says week one. And then you move on to week two. I did not do week two until I was probably like halfway through week three of my postpartum, which was starting to like do more like upright movements. Still very gentle. So I think it's a three-week, four-week program. Weeks that I It took me six weeks to do.
0: Which is fine. The program is like a gentle guide. It's free. It's our gift to you. We'll link it in the show notes to grab the freebie. And it's just a gentle guide. It's We try to keep it very like low- low effort because post program is just hard by itself. We don't wanna add this whole program that you have to spend three hours doing a day. It's like one or two breathing drills for the week, like two or three mobility exercises. And then once we get to like week three and four, it's like three core exercises that you can do. And it's the same movements for like a whole week. But if you don't feel ready to move on, you just stay in the week you are and you just keep doing that same week. And then when you feel ready, you move on to week two. And then when you feel ready, you move on to week four. There's no structure to it. It's very, very loose. It's just whatever you can fit in because that's that's all you need postpartum. You don't need a structured exercise program to like 10 reps of 15. It's like do as many reps as you feel like you need. Like yeah. it's very loose because we want it to be low effort in those early days. And that's it sounds true. like it was pretty helpful for it you. very helpful to like get some movement in. Like it
1: helped with just like my body in general. I did get a massage, I think, around two weeks may or may not have been a great idea. I felt really great during it and a little bit afterwards, but then I was really exhausted from, like, coming
0: to the, the song, fatigue of moving like, around?
1: The fatigue of, like, going to the place and then back. I think I took, like, a two-hour nap afterwards because I was just, like— the
0: So crazy. what did you do when you had appointments and stuff? Because I knew you had, like, a pediatrician appointment, and then I think you brought Joan and yourself to see the chiropractor. Mm. Like, what were you doing to kind of help support— One, your fatigue levels, and then also just, like, your body, like, moving around. So, uh, like, I would always have someone
1: with me. Like, my husband would come with me to all of those appointments to, one, carry Joan. because like, I was so tired. I, like, couldn't even carry her uh, for the first, like, month, like, for long distances. Like, I could carry her, like, around the house, but, like, her and the car seat was, like, incredibly heavy. I was, like, I can't even lift her without just wanting to take a nap. So having someone with me to go to all of those appointments, even if, like, he didn't come into the appointment with me. Like, at the chiropractor, I think he stayed out and played with the kids out here in the gym while I went into the appointment. But, like, just having someone with me for that first month when having to go to those appointments, like, not doing more than one thing a day, you don't need to, like, go to the chiropractor, go to your pediatrician, go to the, like, get a massage, all in one day. You can do them in different days because more than one activity. Like I think Joan's like 24 hour pediatrician appointment, I came home and I was like, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I slept for probably like two or three hours until Joan was like, please feed me milk. But she was really nice and
0: allowed me to, to take those naps. Just have a really perfect baby. So I think the one thing that's been super helpful for us and all of our postpartums is just the support that we have from each other. Although I abandoned you to run our business by myself, because <laughs> um, you were useless, <laughs> just healing and trying to exist. You know, was interviewing other business other partners. business partners. <laughs> uh, Whatever Roxanne, so Roxanne and I are sisters. In case that was a mystery, and whenever like we sister fight with one another, usually my first thing is like, "All right, well, I need someone else to go to yoga with because we're just never going to do that again. we our, our friendship right. is over. It's our over. Friendship is end. I need a new business partner, we and then like if it is over an hour later I'm like do you want to get ice cream (laughs) sisters (laughs) but I definitely find the family support that we have just between our two families and then our parents being nearby like so helpful postpartum and then our husband's jobs like they get paternity leave which is awesome you're welcome for mama stay fit giving you paid maternity leave (laughs) (laughs) and so having the paid paternity and maternity leave definitely like allows us to focus on our healing which i think is so beneficial but for those of you that don't have the same type of family support available to help you in the postpartum period and maybe you don't have the same like paid paternity or um, maternity type leave available. This is where hiring like outside help can be really helpful. And so like something that I find super helpful is like meal trains are like a big thing in our area to help have people like bring meals to you. But like sometimes people that bring you meals, it's like pasta and like pasta. a salad or things that are maybe not as like intentionally made. And so like what I really liked or what I did for Roxanne was I just kind of asked all our friends, especially the ones that don't live near us that couldn't like physically bring a meal because they all still want to support. And so if you have family or friends that don't live near you, you can ask them to donate to like your gift card to your local meal delivery service or to DoorDash or to Mama Meals. So that way you can then buy those meals. And it's like a gift from, because people want to support you in the postpartum period. Like they're Really excited to be a part of it. Um, Sometimes it sucks because they're not nearby to help support you. And so, like, just asking people to donate for you or if you feel uncomfortable asking people, like, just get you a Gina who just goes and asks people, like, hey, Roxanne just gave birth. Do you want to donate to her meal train? And they're most of the time people are like... Hell yeah, I do. Because they want to help support. And so having somebody else that kind of does it for you, that kind of leads the meal train can be really helpful. And if you Mm -hmm. don't have somebody that's going to take the initiative, just ask, hey, can you, after I have my baby, help me out with the meal train? So meals were definitely like a big thing. Like I found really helpful postpartum. The other thing is to outsource other things. So like house cleaning or just let it go. We used a lot of paper plates. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to let it go. And then the other thing was, like, my husband, and I think the same for you, they were just, like, in charge of the kids. I just took care of the baby, and then our mom would, like, wash the baby and, like, do all the things with the baby and then hand the baby back to me as I was like, (laughs) does she do the same for you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She she did. So it's funny, though, because with—so my postpartum this time was a little bit different one. I had a hemorrhage and couldn't do anything. But, like, I also had way more support. So I had my mom, like— for the entire time of my postpartum period. And Gina was here, even though she wasn't as helpful as she could because she was busy running our business. But I had Gina available to like watch my kids. Like she would like bring her kids over and entertain my kids to the point that like they were exhausted and would pass out immediately after Gina left. So like that was so helpful, but like having like a support system here versus like my last postpartum, like we lived in California Gina was left, like flew back probably like five days after I had Colin cause she, she had a life here, but she didn't move to California with me. And then my mom left when I was about three weeks postpartum. But my husband also he started a master's program, like, a week after we had a baby. So, like, he wasn't, like, able to help me as much as he was this postpartum. So it was just, like, after my mom left, it was just me and two kids. Thankfully, like, you know, I didn't hemorrhage, like, crazy amounts. Like, I, I felt great with Colin at three weeks. But... I did not have the support, and it probably did affect, like, my mental health with that uh, postpartum period. Whereas this one, I had so much more support. And with that one, we did hire a house cleaner with Colin because we, like, I I was not going to clean the house while taking care of two kids and figuring out that transition with more kids. So hiring a housekeeper was super helpful, but, like, that's also an expense that not all of us could have. So that's something you could put on, like, your baby registries if it's not your first kid, like— you don't really need a lot of stuff with like
0: second and third kids. So, register for like housekeeping. So, speaking of things that you need for so babies, need because babies. I put a lot of stuff on my first baby registry with Adeline that just took up space in my house. I did not need. What are like the three things that you use with Joan that oh, you're like, the, oh, thank God I have this?
1: Top three things that I use with Joan, baby carrier. As, like maybe not like obviously the first month. I wasn't baby wearing Joan anywhere. I wasn't uh. going anywhere. But baby carrier now for sure. <laughs> Top one that I use. A play mat that she like lays on. Like either you don't even need like a fancy play mat. We use the one from Etta Loves and then Love Every R. The two play mats. One because Gina had a Love Every mat that she just gave me. So you don't need two play mats, but I do. You can two. also just use a blanket. You, you, yeah. It doesn't even need to be anything crazy. Just somewhere where they can lay comfortably on the ground. And then we use a rocker. So container alert. Um, But we really like a rocker to be able to put her somewhere other than just like laying on the floor. Because not all babies want to lay on the floor, Um, especially if they do have like reflux or anything. Like after they eat, you're going to lay them on the ground. They're going to spit up everywhere or cry the whole time. So we like a rocker where she's like a little bit elevated and like the kids like bouncing with her on the rocker. She's a lot more susceptible to like lots of snuggles and smothering when she's on the ground with siblings. So the rocker also prevents that because they can't get into the rocker with her. So those are my top three things that we use. Um, Obviously like diapers and wipes and clothes are important, but those are more essentials, not like... The extras that are are talking.
0: Yeah. And they grow so fast. I felt like I barely got to use the newborn clothes that I had. I mean, you didn't get to use them at all. No. And then the zero to three, I felt like she was out of that so quickly too, where I was like, all right, well, I'll put that in the drawer for the next baby, I guess. So I definitely, if I had to pick like a few things to register for, one, a stroller. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, The stroller. Like right now I use the Baby stroller and I use the Bugaboo. Stroller, umbrella one. So those are kind of my two main ones. I registered for the stroller with Adeline that we used for a while, but then I got one that was very modular and yeah. you could add pieces. The answer. To it. And then the baby carrier, 100%. But sometimes it's tough because there's so many different ones out there and you have to like figure out which one you'd like. Like the one that we love is obviously uh, Sakura Bloom, but
1: like the Ergo Baby works out really well for a lot of people what are other brands wildbird I mean there's so many outstanding brands that like people will get find one that works really really well for them and then they'll try other ones and they're like I hate those
0: we have people that'll borrow them from us to test to see which ones yeah. they like because we we have collected so many carriers over the years um so I think that's a good way if you're like I don't know which one to get cheap. like try other people's and then invest in the one that you really like sometimes they have like baby wearing groups where you oh can, yeah yeah like to just one to learn how to use them because some
1: of them are really confusing but baby wearing can be so helpful especially if you don't have the support to be able to help with your other children or like you need to like do stuff around the house like being able to baby wear your kid for that those that first couple weeks postpartum can be like a game changer to be able to actually get stuff done because babies, they don't realize there's not like a separate unit from you for like the first three months. Like they're that fourth trimester is the first 12 weeks postpartum and they don't realize that like you are not the same person. Like you are not to, which is wild anymore. So like they just want skin to skin contact because they're like you, like we belong together. What do you mean? Like why aren't you next to me? So baby wearing can be so helpful for that period because it tricks them like you guys are still 1%. person <laughs> Because they're just still with you and still able to- in like, mind feel your on our babies. <laughs> feel your, like hear your heartbeat. So baby carrying a, like skin to skin, like all of that, that's why it's so beneficial. But try a bunch of the brands out, like find the one that you want. But that would be one thing that I would register for for sure. Another one, it's like bath essentials. There's so many baths out there, like, having a little bath for them. Um, Obviously all the soaps and washcloths. I do say I don't think I would ever register for the hooded towels anymore. Just use a regular towel. But they're so cute. They're so cute. Like maybe get one, but like we just use our adult towels for our kids now. And I have 49 hooded towels. With like tiny holes in some of them that
0: I need to just throw. They're so thin too. So, not very soft. If you want what we would recommend to register for, we do have a freebie. That's a whole list of things in different categories that you can check out in the show notes. So, returning to fitness. So, you were finally able to not pass out when you walked to the bathroom. When, why did you decide to come back to the gym other than I forced you to by making you work? Well, yeah. (laughs) Because I think it was around six weeks that I had to coach again.
1: Because you were Gina went on another vacation during my postpartum. Gina went Such on like a seven, seven vacations during her postpartum. It was, One of them being very huge to Korea it was, for
0: two and a half weeks. So, I, my bad. I was trying to fulfill my children while their father was away in Africa. So... Anyways, oh. when did you decide to go back to the gym other than when I forced you to? Yeah. Well, it's funny because
1: the first day I went back to the gym was, again, like right before six weeks postpartum. So I was like five-ish weeks. I was like, you know what? I'm going to work out today. I'm going to work out. This is my return to fitness. I got to the gym that day and I was like, nope. today is not the day I return to fitness. I changed my mind. I don't feel ready. That's fine. Like you can like, in my mind, with every kid, I was like, "Oh, I'm going to be ready to go to the gym at four weeks. I'm going to work out at four weeks,. Pray. Like postpartum, I got this. I think with Lily, I'd, it took me forever to go back to the gym with Lily because of like my entire postpartum prolapse recovery. Colin, even with Colin, where I had, like, I feel like in my mind like the perfect postpartum, like physical symptoms-wise, I still waited, I think, until five or six weeks, even with Colin. So with Joan I think like I came to the gym to coach at least twice and I was like I'm good I'm not good. I'm not going to work out I'll just hear, I'll just help educate everyone else that's here on postpartum and prenatal fitness I did have to like demo one movement and thankfully someone else was here who was like on like either pregnancy or postpartum like way more postpartum and was able to demo it for weeks. <laughs> I
0: was like I can't put my body into that position I'm so sorry <laughs> I am not helpful I have <laughs> boundaries <laughs> so that, that was smart of me you know
1: I knew my boundaries but it was probably the third time I came to coach nobody showed up that day it's tear tear um and I was like I feel ready And I just started the postpartum programming that day. So I did day one. And it's also nice that like, obviously, you know, toot our own horns here. The postpartum fitness recovery—it's not like day one. I'm like deadlifting a barbell of like the my pre-frequency. <laughs> day defense. two is a 5K. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> day five
0: marathon. Oh
1: <laughs> it's like very intentional with like a progressive type movement. So like the first day one, it took me like 30 minutes to do day one. So it's like very quick. It's only two rounds of like two sets of exercises with like an optional conditioning type-ish portion. Like doing all of that took like maybe 30, 45 minutes max with like a nursing break probably in there for Joan. And it was very nice just to like do some movement. It wasn't weighted in any way. I don't think I added very much weight. And it was probably because it was lower body day that I was more motivated because who wants to do upper body when you are super weak? Just like from doing nothing for six weeks. (laughs) Lower body is usually my favorite. So that was probably helpful as well that it starts with lower body as day one. But it was just really nice to get some movement in get some blood pumping other than like a walk around my neighborhood. Walks are great, but they can, when you are used to like a certain type of fitness level, they they only do so much for you, like fulfillment-wise. So I started that like at six weeks. I am 10 weeks and I will still, I will say I'm still on week three because life. I started school. I have excuses. So we even at Mama Stay Fit are not perfect and don't work out four times.
0: I will say like even for our in-person postpartum clients, who get to come to the gym every day and hang out with us. It still takes the majority of them like anywhere from six to eight months to like finish the programs because life. like kid gets sick, they get sick. They go on vacation. And so for those of you that are doing our online program and you need us to reset your calendar like pretty frequently, it's okay. It takes it takes a long time. Like, to get through it because life is hard or, like, you need to go back a little bit because the movement didn't quite feel right for you yet. Um, the program does start very slow. It's very intentional. After not doing anything for four to six weeks or maybe longer than that, it'll feel like a good amount of effort. It's mostly yeah, body weight nice. movements is, you know, we have limited joint movement because we're trying to like rebuild slowly, learn how to breathe again with our body. So it does start very slow and it builds very gradually to get you back to lifting weights and to running and to doing all the things that you love. Um, But it's slow and intentional for a reason because it helps you rebuild a lot more. So I know one thing that a lot of folks like are very apprehensive about or nervous about is prolapse. In my opinion, and from my understanding, prolapse is a pretty normal thing that occurs after giving birth. Like, your organs just sit a little bit lower. It's not always associated with, like, decreased function or, like, an issue. It's just our bodies change after we give birth. I would almost equate it to, like, looser skin postpartum our bodies are just different. It doesn't mean it's, that there's a problem or that it doesn't work as well. But sometimes prolapse can have symptoms. And when we have symptomatic prolapse and it's starting to interfere with our ability to live our life and it affects the quality of our life, then we want to address, yeah. it, and we want to mm-hmm. make sure that it's not it hasn't moved to that point. And that would be the same with any sort of postpartum, like, quote-unquote, like, dysfunction or, like, change your body. If it's not causing decreased function or inhibiting your quality of life, it's not really an issue like we it's just your body's just different but if it is affecting it then we do want to kind of address it so I know for your first pregnancy or after your first birth you had a more symptomatic prolapse where you had more of like a rehab process yeah. with it I don't know if it was the same after Colin so what did you do during like this pregnancy and then postpartum period to kind of help manage your prolapse that you know was an issue in the past but was not necessarily an issue so with my prolapse i really like my first postpartum was like the roughest
1: portion of my prolapse and journey we had to work like a really long time like over i think it was like around a year was when i started to actually like be asymptomatic and not really need my pessary which is an internal support device that you place like into your vagina and help support your organs so that you can like do movements without symptoms and around one year postpartum like i didn't need my pessary anymore because i was able to like support my own organs on my own. And with Colin, I didn't ever need my pessary. Like I really had minimal, like to no symptoms really, except for maybe that initial postpartum, which is completely normal for us to have. With this one, I did have a lot more heaviness and I knew when I was pushing that I was probably going to have more symptoms. One, I had to push a lot longer. At early postpartum, like I just had like a feeling. So I did have some more pelvic floor heaviness and That could just be like your pelvic floor is tired from like pushing a baby out, like getting up and walking around like your pelvic floor is like, I would like to rest. Can you lay back down? So that like you find yourself clenching like pelvic floor tension could be the reason for that pelvic floor heaviness. So I usually will attribute it to that at first. But along with the pelvic floor heaviness that I was having, I was also having like Like, difficulty, like, emptying, like, my bowels. So, like, when I would go to have, like, a bowel movement, I would have to apply, like, some pressure, like, splinting the perineal, like, the area, perineal area with tissue so that I was able to, like, actually have a bowel movement. Or, like, I would have to insert a finger to be able to, like, have a bowel movement, which is signs of some sort of dysfunction. You should not have to do that to have a bowel movement. And so I knew that I was, like, I'm going to need to see a pelvic floor PT for sure, just, like, even before having a baby, but, like, for sure because of these symptoms. Like, I needed to take stool softeners in order to have, like, a bowel movement. So the type of prolapse that I have is a rectocele. So that just means, like, like my bowels are kind of pushing into my vaginal canal because of, like, the tissue there is just a little bit weaker. And so it can create almost like a little pouch where, like, stool can just kind of hang out. So that's why sometimes you have to splint. Or insert a finger, because, like, you got to get that little pouch emptied as well, or else you'll just feel like you need to continue going. Or even, like, I would have a bowel movement, and I'd have to wipe, like, 900 times. I had some hemorrhoids postpartum, but, like, I feel like it's very common. I didn't attribute necessarily my prolapse to the hemorrhoids, because I already have hemorrhoids, and so, like, once you get them, like, it's a lot easier to get them, because it's, like, loose skin. It takes a while for but Like, it never really goes back to normal. But... Like, I knew, like, based off of these symptoms in the early postpartum, if they didn't get better, for sure was going to have some issues with pelvic floor PT. So I I made my appointment pretty quickly because a lot of pelvic floor PTs in this area get booked out. And even my pelvic floor PT now gets booked out pretty quickly. Um, But I was able to get in pretty quickly after I was, like, cleared by my midwife. So around, I think it was seven weeks postpartum is when I was able to get in with her. And she did, like, with my prolapse, Like she checked like in different positions to see like how much it like would descend and like overall like pretty good with dissension. It was just really like I need to work on some postural tendencies and stuff like that and strengthening in different positions. So like getting exercises like that was really helpful from her. Um, And I'm still working with her because I do still get some heaviness at like the end of the day, which could again be very normal because I could have probably been clenching throughout the day at certain points when my pelvic floor is a little bit more tired at the end of the day. But the one thing that I would wear to kind of help with that pelvic floor heaviness, especially in the beginning, though, that was really helpful was the Balbe bloomers. So I wore those. Those are like a little bit of abdominal support because your, your abs are a little bit weaker after you have a baby, surprisingly. <laughs> but also like it provides perineal support. So like when I'm having that heaviness, it almost would help a lot with it. And they also have postpartum leggings that I've been trying out as well. So like when I would have some heaviness during the day, um, I started wearing them during the day, especially if I, I never had it during workout, but just in case, like maybe they could support my body a little bit more. Like I definitely never had any heaviness when wearing them when at workout or even when baby wearing or walking around when I would do a lot of activity during the day. I would try to put those on and like I wouldn't have any heaviness at the end of the day, which is the biggest difference that I noticed because that means it was probably helping to support my organs a little bit, which was kind of really cool to see that benefit. So Bay, huge huge supporter of Bay.
0: Yeah, so it might not be necessarily like supporting your pelvic organs, but it's supporting the musculature of your hips and your glutes to allow your pelvic floor to function better. Um, so it's providing that support so your pelvic floor doesn't feel like it needs to clench. And so sometimes we clench because we feel unstable, which could be that the musculature that's supporting our pelvis is not quite as strong or is still in a healing state. And so not necessarily supporting like the organs, but supporting the structure that surrounds the organs, which then allows the pelvic floor to support, support the organs. So I definitely agree that pelvic heaviness is usually associated with pelvic floor tension because birth is planned trauma. When a baby passes through your pelvic floor, it stretches and it's it's got to heal from that. Um, So it tends to be a clench a little bit more. So it's not uncommon to feel heaviness in the pelvic floor postpartum. Um, If it persists or you have more symptoms like Roxanne did, then yeah, it could absolutely be related to a pelvic organ prolapse um, that is becoming more symptomatic. And that's why we have, it's really great to have support and resources available. If you're trying to find a PT near you, pelvicrehab.com is a directory that you can use to find a pelvic floor PT. If you just want virtual support, Haley Kava is like our top recommendation for somebody to have a consult with online. She definitely thinks outside of the box with the PT. So if you've been having a lot of symptoms and it's not resolving after working with PT after PT after PT, I would definitely check her out because she's probably got the little the little thing that you've been missing because she thinks more than just the pelvic floor. like it's a whole body thing. yeah it's all connected. And so some exercises that you can do if you're feeling more like tension in your pelvic floor, especially in the early days, would just be like hips elevated breathing. So putting your hips underneath some pillows. So taking gravity out can sometimes relieve some of that tension. Some back body expansion. So taking a pillow and like curling around it and breathing into your backside body can be super helpful because that also helps release tension in the back half of your pelvic floor. And then any sort of like hip shifted movements. So like all fours hip shift with like a pillow under one knee. Or a yoga block under one knee can also help to release tension in the back half of the pelvis, which where a lot of us tend to hold a little bit yeah. more tension. Which
1: um, some of those movements were in the early postpartum recovery course. They were so.
0: shocking, shocking. Like I got you, I got I you. Good. Again, it's a free, it's a free course. If you don't like it, you don't, you don't have to do it. But it's just something to help support you in the early days. So, what would your advice be to somebody who maybe didn't realize they had a postpartum hemorrhage, or they do know that they did have one? to recover in the postpartum period. So my biggest
1: advice would probably be like one, I I guess two things. One is like let go of all the expectations that you had for your postpartum period um, and just focus on you and your baby. And if, if that means just like laying around in bed all day, like don't feel, you know, guilty for doing that because your body is working really hard to kind of sustain itself at that point. Like you have a lot less blood volume. You have a lot less... Like little red blood cells carrying oxygen around your body. It takes a lot more work to do things. And that's okay to rest. Like that was really hard for me the first probably week was I was like, why? I just, I have all of these plans for postpartum. (laughs) Like I was going to create all these like really cool reels and like content to like help others, (laughs) like support others in their postpartum. And I was just like, all day. (laughs) Um, But number two is, like, find a support system or, like, find some ways that you can be supported by people around you to help you be able to rest and rest without stress. So, like, you can, I mean, like, there's, like, resting, but, like, you're still, like, worried, like, oh, this house is, like, no one's going to be able to take care of my my kids. Like, who's going to take my kids to school? Like, who's going to do this thing and who's going to do this thing while you're trying to, like, rest? And, like, you're laying there and you're, like... Your shoulders are up (laughs) by.
0: Why is my pelvic floor so so tense? Like, but I'm gonna lay in this bed
1: and rest. Like, you need to find a way that others can support you and, like, be able to actually, like, relax and rest and allow your body to recover from, like, losing a lot of blood and also having a baby to take care of. So, whether that is, like, having family or friends, like, either come in and fly in for your birth to support you or like hiring like someone to clean your house or even a postpartum doula. Like postpartum doulas can be pretty clutch by like helping you out around the house, helping you with your other children and like helping support you. Some of them will like even cook you meals that are nutrient dense to help support your healing body. So like a postpartum doula and like you can find those in Facebook groups um, or even like there are like people that you can hire to like stay overnight with you so that you can like, again, focus on rest Like they'll watch baby and like bring baby to you when they're hungry and like night nannies, like night nannies or like uh, fairy magicians that are just going to allow you to heal. I don't know. I'm going to call them like magic magic. Um, But like having some way that you can be supported where you are able to relax and actually rest and recover, um, however that works for you. Letting expectations go is probably the biggest thing um, because it's really hard. Like you can be really hard on yourself postpartum when you've lost a lot of blood and you feel like, Oh, like I'm so weak. Like, like you feel a little down on yourself a little bit. Like you're not able to do things like how, how can other people do all of these things immediately after having a baby, but like I can barely walk to the bathroom. Um, but you did a lot. You lost a lot of blood. takes a while to replenish that. So give yourself some grace.
0: And just in general, postpartum can be very hard. I think you had a way rougher though than any of our other postpartums, yeah. mentally and physically. <laughs> you no, know. you had a. We got to give you more credit. If you want to learn more about like our specific recommendations for healing and like the early postpartum, and then how to return to fitness, we do have a podcast episode. I think it's like sixteen. We really should look at the numbers before we record episodes. But it's we do have a podcast episode. Link it. Well, yeah, we'll link it. It's all about recovering after postpartum, early postpartum tips, also returning to fitness postpartum tips if you want more of kind of like the general. And we also share a little bit more of our prior postpartum experiences in that episode um, on preparing for postpartum, like a whole episode on preparing for postpartum
1: as well of what I did to prepare for this postpartum. I obviously didn't prepare enough. No. Well, I
0: mean, we can't, yeah. you can't always can't anticipate prepare for a postpartum. Can't to always anticipate it. what's going to happen. So thank you for listening to this episode and listening to Roxanne talk all about her postpartum healing journey and how it is for her to come all the way back to do our amazing postpartum fitness program. If you want to join our postpartum fitness program, we have a few different options for you. We have our 16 week program, which is going to be our full length workouts, which is what Roxanne is doing and what we do here in the gym. Um, these workouts are going to be anywhere from like 30 and eventually up to like 60 to 75 minutes long in length so they are a little bit on the longer side now we do have a gym version and an at-home version depending on the kind of equipment availability that you have and that's all going to be in the team builder app so it's a list of exercises with demo videos so if you like to work out at your own pace or you like to work out in a gym this is probably going to be a good program for you We also have a mini program, which is our 12 week program. This is essentially the first six weeks of our 16 week program spread out over two weeks. So workouts are about 15 to 20 minutes long. It's usually like three exercises per workout, makes it super manageable to do. Um, We had a lot of folks test it to make sure that it was within that parameters and almost everybody was within 15 to 20 minutes. And these are people who were like new to the program as well. So they weren't as familiar with exercises. And so you can expect shorter workouts, but still giving you the same recovery. But if you prefer to watch a video as you work out, we have an on-demand program as well. So full-length workout videos that you can watch. I cue you through every movement. I demo the movements for you. I tell you when to breathe. And so that can sometimes make it a lot easier. With that one, you can add on Team Builder for the last 10 weeks if you want the full 16-week program. But the first six weeks watching them can sometimes help you learn a lot of our movements, especially if you're just trying to figure out your body. So you can check out all of our fitness programs on our website at mamasafefit.com slash fitness dash programs. And you can use code STORY10 to get 10% off any of our programs to include prenatal or childbirth education, really anything on the website. The codes is good for everything. You can use it multiple times. There's no, I mean, we probably should limit it, but whatever. But you only know about it if you listen to the episode all the way through. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe to our channel, to our podcast. You get notified whenever we release new episodes. Release a new educational episode every Wednesday and a new birth story every Friday. And if you want to share your birth story with us, feel free to reach out. We do have a link on our website where you can submit your birth story to share. We love listening to your stories at a minimum reading them. And then we know that other people learn a lot from hearing other people's birth stories. Also, share our podcast with everybody if you liked it so that other people can be exposed to Mama Stay Fit. Um, Leave a review so that other people know how amazing we are. If you didn't like it, just move on with your life and just don't tell us because it'll hurt our feelings. That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then this podcast is sponsored by Needed, which is a nutrition company that specializes in perineal nutrition. So they opt for optimal nourishment for your perineal journey. They're supplements that Roxanne and I both take during our pregnancy postpartum we only support or promote brands that we love and so you know that if we're promoting this brand that it's one that we personally use and that we love to use so you can use code mama stay pod to get 20 percent off your first order or three months of subscription so thanks for listening we'll catch you next week